to Off-Trail Learning. This is Blake Bowles. Reaching out to people as a young adult or as a high school graduate or as a college graduate or just anyone is a vital life skill that we hardly ever get taught directly. But there really is some truth to it's not what you know, but who you know. You know, really, it's both of those. You need to know something and you need to know people who can connect you to the best opportunities where you can take advantage of that thing that you know. And so where can you learn this? I mean, I've taught some workshops that uh, have been kind of provocatively titled Indescribable Sexiness because I'm trying to get – I did these at homeschooling conferences and I was trying to get teenagers to actually show up. You don't, you, know, the, you don't need a boring title. Otherwise, nobody will show up there. That's given me a little bit of blowback. I, I heard one parent at a – at a self-directed learning center where I was going to give this workshop, one parent said, I will never let my child take (laughs) a course with that man (laughs) in response to me using the phrase indescribable sexiness, which is really just about body language and conversation and how to initiate conversations with people. For example, if you're going in for a job interview or if you want to go strike up a conversation with somebody who you think is important or, you know, admirable. I've run workshops through some of my Unschool Adventures programs uh, that teach the skills behind sending emails to people. But, you know, these are all very limited examples. And so today, my guest Tam Pham is going to talk in much more detail about how to reach out to people, how to build relationships and connections with strangers who, um, you know, it's not just about building relationships with people so you can later, you know, take advantage of them or, or get something that they have and then scurry away into the shadows. It's about building actual relationships and actually being helpful. Anyways, Tam is going to explain it. And I think that his ethic is spot on. I think it's generous. I think it's what works in the long run. And I think there's a lot to learn here. If you are any sort of self-directed learner, who is a little bit unsure how to initiate these connections. You know that they're beneficial, but it's kind of awkward to do that. So this episode is for you. Enjoy. My guest today is Tam Pham, a marketer for startups in the San Francisco Bay Area and the author of two books, How to Network and How to Land Your Dream Internship. And today we are going to be talking about reaching out to people as a self-directed learner. Welcome, Tam. Thanks for having me, Blake. Glad to be here. Yeah, and I got to be a guest on your podcast a while ago. That was a pleasure. You are a very prolific uh, writer, speaker. You've done a lot, and you are 21 years old? (laughs) Yes, sir. Yeah, a lot more than most other 21-year-olds, I know. So (laughs) here's where I start with everyone. What's your story? Like, How did you end up at this point? And I know that you had some twists and turns that you didn't expect. So give us us your narrative. Oh, yeah, definitely. On on the outside, it looks... You know, my work looks like more impressive than the most 21-year-olds, but it's been a, a hell of a ride. So I, I started college at 17. I came into San Jose State University thinking like, wow, I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to work at Google after this and um, just kind of, you know, like just, just kill it here. And then when I was in college, I just didn't enjoy school. I didn't enjoy the people I was around with, surrounded with. I didn't enjoy the stuff I was learning. And what I was really fascinated was about entrepreneurship and starting your own business. And so as I was doing my classes, I was trying to start this small startup on the side. And I was like, man, I'm spending more time on this startup than actual um, school. And when I, when I was learning more and spending more time on a passion project than education, when I'm paying thousands of dollars for that, that was like a wake-up call for me. So 
uh, that was when, you know, the, the short story is I, I dropped out of school at, at 18 or like uh, almost 19 years old, um, did that startup, it failed. And I was like, man, that failed. Um, what, what am I going to do next? Like, I, I still want to do entrepreneurship, but I need to learn um, from people who's been there before. So that's when I went on this uh, journey of like interning for a bunch of cool companies, um, doing free work for uh, startup founders that I really admired. And after all those um, different, or after like three years of doing that, um, I'm finally where I am now, uh, currently working for startups, writing books, and um, still exploring my life for sure. Awesome. And I want to go even farther back. So tell me where you grew up, like what you did in K through 12 education and, and kind of where your head was along that path. Were you just uh, a college prep, you know, driven student like uh, <laughs> like your peers were? Yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up in San Jose, California, born and raised. Um, I had a very uh, strict parent, uh, you know, Asian parents where they would, you know, make you get straight A's. And if you don't, then um, they, they weren't proud of you kind of thing. So um, I, I would try to get the best grades that I can as possible. But in high school, like, I, I was just not very good at my, my, my work. What I was better at instead was being very involved with extracurriculars. So I was part of, I was very active in a leadership organization called Interact, which is kind of like Key Club. Um, president of my chess club, captain of my badminton team. I was on the basketball team. Like I was very active in a lot of things outside of school at an early age, mm-hmm. and and it was very strange because like all of my friends, I'm surrounded by. I live in a uh, predominantly Asian community, so everyone was getting straight A's, um, taking AP classes, and here am I, like just getting, just barely getting by. And what were your grades like? You know, like B's and C's. Um, okay. And it, it's very embarrassing too because I applied to so many different colleges like Stanford, Harvard, UCLA, UC Berkeley. Um, I didn't get accepted to a majority of them. I got rejected from like eight out of the eleven, I believe. Uh, I only got accepted to a couple of local universities, and it's so embarrassing when all your friends, like literally all your best friends, are going to these top colleges, and I just felt so worthless and and just not smart. Um, and that was another struggle for me um, growing up. So uh, it. I definitely saw that self-directed learning. Uh, like looking back, I definitely saw that trend happening already, but I just didn't piece the puzzle uh, together until like just very recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, your B's and C's, do you attribute those to just not feeling motivated to do the schoolwork or did it feel like too challenging? Uh, and tell me, did you go to a public school or a private school? Uh, I went to a public school, um, but it was the top school in like the district. So it was very competitive. Uh, and I guess like I, I was motivated because I wanted to, you know, be as smart as my friends and uh, impress my parents. But for some reason, like I just couldn't, I was a horrible learner. Um, I don't know whether it was me or was it the subject, but like, I would read the, t- the text of like U.S. history or um, calculus and my friends would read the exact same thing. And then they would just, you know, get it. And, and here am I like, how did you learn that so fast? And, you know, it takes me so long to retain it. So while I was like, you know, um, spending hours and hours studying and getting C's, my friends were just barely get uh, barely studying and getting A's, which made me really frustrated. Like, what was I doing wrong? Um, so that was a huge, uh, you know, peak as well for me. Okay, and so you're part of a, a pretty competitive, uh, academically focused community, and you go to uh, San Jose State University. And what was your major there, or your intended major? Uh, it was business administration, but I left after okay. a year and a half, so I didn't get really deep into the business classes. Got it. You took a lot of uh, general liberal arts classes. Yeah, and you know stuff now that I I never use 
Oh, I never even remember using. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is not fun. <laughs> so uh, you went in with a, a business, intended business degree. Did you already have interest in entrepreneurship, working for yourself, being a freelancer uh, in high school when you were younger? Uh, no, I actually had no idea about all that stuff. I wanted to work at Google. But it was very funny oh. that because looking back, I was actually an entrepreneur like at heart. So um, in freshman and sophomore year of high school, I sold candy every single day. And I made a profit of like 40 bucks each day. And that adds up when you're, you know, 15 years old. <laughs> and then I also worked for this clothing brand selling streetwear. I didn't make the clothes, but I promoted the clothes. And I was actually, nat I was, you know, I made a lot of friends. So I was, I was a natural salesman in that way. So I made like five bucks off of every $30 sweater sold. And once you sell, you know, X amount of sweaters, you make like a couple hundred. Um, and that's pretty, pretty good for, you know, just a teenager just barely getting by. Yeah, yeah, that's very empowering. Yeah, and I felt awesome. I never knew that that could be an actual, you know, career or an option for me. I've always thought you had to do, you had to go to college, you had to get a job. Um, and then just like my parents did. And um, yeah, was, my eyes were never open. So I'm sure you had a lot of parental expectations going into college also. And the entire idea of dropping out of college is just like one of the worst things that can possibly happen for an academically focused family. So tell me about your thought process going into that and whether this was a discussion with your parents, how they reacted to it. Yeah, well, logically, it just made sense. I was paying thousands of dollars to learn things I didn't need to learn or want to learn. Um, and I was spending more of my time and effort and energy into something that didn't require college. So I thought, okay, um, logically, the, the, the thing that makes the most sense is just work on my project. And I might not be like a Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg at, at 18 years old, but I would, I would my, my goal is to learn and my goal is to just be surrounded by more entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurially minded people. So I thought, okay, that's the logical reason. And worst case scenario, I could always go back to college if everything fails, that's the worst case. So mm -hmm. when I brought that out to my parents, they obviously weren't happy because they equated, you know, college with success. And, you know, there's many heated back and forth arguments with my, my you know, my mom and dad. And like at one point, uh, I even said like, hey, so what if I like cured cancer, made millions of dollars and, you know, was super successful, like super successful in the Asian community, for example, um, would you still be proud of me? Oh, and I, I, and I, I didn't go to college. Would you still be proud of me? And they said, no. You have to go to college no matter what. Wow. And so wow. at, that, at that point, it was wow. like, wow, this is like, I, I can never win. Even if I like change the world, um, my parents would never be proud of me. And that's something an 18 year old, like you have to make a decision. Do you want to do what's right for you or do you want to do what's right for your parents? And I have many friends who actually like, it's a very funny story. One of my, fr my friends um, became a lawyer and a doctor. Like, he got both the degrees to be a lawyer and a doctor. And he's like, you know, 20 some, 30 something. And he's like, okay, dad, here's everything you guys wanted me to be. Now I'm going to go live, now I'm going to go live my life. <laughs> and I'm here laughing. Like you wasted like 30 years of your life doing something you don't want to do just to impress your parents. And that means that's very noble, you know, in some eyes, but in my eyes, it's kind of, it's kind of foolish to me. Yeah. Did, did that person no longer go on to become a doctor or a lawyer? No, they, they don't practice it at all. They just, I don't oh, know right now, but they just want to do that just to um, check off a list on their parents. So their parents can, in the Asian community, um, a lot of parents want you to go to a high school or uh, get a high paying job just to tell their friends, um, hey, my, you know, my son goes to Harvard kind of thing. 
Yeah, yeah, living vicariously. It's kind of a status competition, uh, <laughs> even if you're not doing it yourself. Um, okay, so tell me what your first moves were when you dropped out of college. Did you experience, you know, I know a lot of recent college dropouts, they experience a bout of, you know, anxiety or depression or just feeling, you know, having feelings of worthlessness and not sh- not being sure what they're supposed to be doing since they just, they left this track that they've been on since they were a very young kid. You know, Mecca is college. And so you are, you are leaving the pilgrimage trail here. So what was it like for you? Yeah, that was one of the most like depressed. I want to say, I want to like really depressed, but it was one of the darkest times of like my life where I didn't have many friends because most of my friends were in college or in these organizations. Um, and my other high school buddies, you know, went to college at like Harvard or Berkeley or whatever. So I was very much alone. All I had was myself and my co-founder when we were starting out this company. And so I would go to Starbucks every single day, work for, you know, eight hours or so, go home and then work again um, every single day for like a couple months. And I was like, man, this is like, you know, I know this is a, this is the right move for me, but this is like so lonely and like detrimental to like my, my health and my, uh, my life in general. So I needed a change. And that was when um, I enrolled in this program called Draper University, where other like-minded entrepreneurial um, people like myself and others um, gathered for like a seven, 10 week, I forget how long, like intensive entrepreneurship course about um, business and sales, marketing. Um, so that was when I needed to change. But, but just that, that whole couple of first months was um, the the worst for sure. Tell me about this business that you co-founded and the the one that sounds like it failed. Yeah, so it was called Student Hero, and we connected high school students to internships and summer programs. Um, growing up in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, and I never you know experimented with uh, business. I never experimented with coding or or whatever skills. And I was like, man, why did no one tell me about this stuff before I went to college? And figure out like I had no idea what I and and you know try to figure these answers out ahead of time and so that was the problem we tried to solve uh, but it, it didn't work out because not many um, companies were um, willing to pay a lot of money to hire high school students mm, yeah that makes sense um, okay now let's get into your experience with reaching out to people and you know, you've ended up writing a couple of books about how to do this. And so I'm sure this was informed by some sort of really deep personal experience. You know, when did you figure out that you can just reach out to people and ask for help or assistance or guidance or opportunities? Yeah, it's so awesome because if you think about it, everyone in the world, it's just an email away. And so when I was, when I dropped out of college, I had, you know, not many friends, not many people in the community. So I had to force myself to meet other people like myself in order to like, uh, succeed in business, succeed in life. Um, so at first off, I just you know started going to networking events, um, you know conferences, uh, seminars, people speaking, and there I naturally just met people in person. But when I first started that, um, you know, no one wanted to talk to me. No one wanted to talk to some you know eighteen year old kid who barely has a business going. So I was like, man, what can I do to make them like say thank you to me, or make them want to talk to me? But after trying that out, it was, it, the, the, the whole plan failed because well, the more I tried to make myself look more impressive, the more people didn't want to talk to me. I was like, man, what am I doing wrong? And it wasn't until I read um, Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, where I realized like, wow, um, people come into networking with this self, self-interest self model where it's always like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Where instead they should be having a, a, a giver mindset where 
they can say, oh, how can I make this person say thank you to me? Um, how can I help this person? How can I give to them? Um, and that was like the turning point where I was like, man, I have to start, you know, giving to people in order to build these relationships. Mm. Yeah. And just when you say networking event, that makes my skin crawl a little bit because it feels to me like I'm going to go into some shark tank where there are a bunch of people who just want to, you know, get their fangs into me somehow, get my money or my attention. And it's just like a bunch of people exploiting each other. I think this is this this popular negative idea we have of so-called networking events or mixers uh, because everyone is just out there for themselves, you know, and, and maybe that's a completely false stereotype. Um so, I mean, you were, let's say, 18, 19 at this point. You're going to these, these kind of business mixer events. And you said that you, you changed your mindset. So instead of being like, how can you help me? You started saying, how can I help you? But, but you know, as an 18- or 19-year-old, you have a very limited skill set because you have very limited life experience. So what did you figure out that you could offer to people that they actually would say thank you for? Yeah, you know, it's, very, it's a simple thing that people underestimate. So as simple as like just sending them an article they would like because they were into blockchain or um, introducing them to someone you just met at the same conference um, that shared the same the same interests or um, just just sharing like what just trying to always be helpful in that way where um, you even like for example you can even just like ask them for advice and then after two weeks later tell them how you apply that advice and that alone is like a gift because you're someone saying like oh you're serious. Like you actually listen to me and actually use what I said. You must be, you must be like legit. Um, so I, I use a variety of different, um, ways to give back and some work spectacularly some, and some didn't, but I'm glad of the results. <laughs> you know, this is great. I, I love these practical examples. Uh, so sending people articles that they might be interested in, introducing them to people with similar interests, um, actually, you know, taking people's advice and then writing them back. Like I get emails like that sometimes. People say, you know, I did this thing you suggested in your book and it was awesome. And that just warms my heart. You know, I want to have a conversation with those people. So I, I totally get this approach. Do you have any other uh, of these practical starting places to share with us? Yeah, well, before I go into that, Blake, didn't I do that with you as well? I think you did with uh, Better Than College. Yeah, I, I read your book and I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, I never knew about you know most of these stuff. Um, and yeah, so so you know, one of the other tactics is like finding the books that um, finding the authors who wrote your favorite books and saying like, wow, and reaching out to them directly. Like, I reached out to you know Adam Grant who wrote Give and Take. He replied back in like two hours. Um, which is kind of crazy. Um, and so always just trying to find ways to, to give. Um, you, like, for example, I hosted this conference called HustleCon where we invited uh, 1,500 entrepreneurs to listen to these successful business owners. And since I worked there, I, I was in a position to give away discounts or give away um, like tickets to close friends and family or just groups and communities um, to, uh, so, so I can build these relationships. And so being in a position where I can do that is, is awesome. And uh, you, you can make friends that way. Um, you can also um, give gifts, like physical gifts. Like I, I give books regularly to people um, through Amazon or just in person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, this, I, I can go on and on, but there's so many different ways. <laughs> well, I've got a, a question for you before you go on. I feel like a, a lot of the same people who have this natural – hesitancy about the word networking probably have the same hesitancy about this giving approach because 
it feels like you might be taking advantage of the human nature for reciprocity. Mm-hmm. And and so you're really just – you're still that shark in the shark tank, but you're giving somebody a gift first so they feel like they owe you something. Then you can come back later and say, ha, you owe me. Uh, and so, I mean, from a practical stance, I imagine that it is helpful to um, – you know, to have this this sense of reciprocity, I, I think that that's not necessarily an evil thing. But how do you respond to the charge that the give and take approach is really still about taking, and you're just using giving as this sort of nice cover? Yeah, no, that's definitely a, a great um, valid argument, and it all starts with your intentions. So, if your intent is to give to someone to make them owe you something, then that's a that's a problem. But when you give and you expect nothing in return. Which is a very, very difficult thing to yeah, a mindset to I, have. I agree. Um, that is when you win, and that's something I wrote about in in the book, uh, in my my networking book. And how do you how do you do that? You know, it, I think selfishness is is ingrained into us. And so, how do you? Uh, how about this, Tam? What pleasure do you get out of giving something to somebody without any expectation of something in return? Like, what's the intrinsic benefit to you? You know, there's there's a few. Um, it might sound kind of corny, but I know that when I give the people, like, the world would be a better place, and they would be in a happier mood, or they would want to give someone else, or they would be inspired to see me give, and they'd be, like, oh, I should give back. For example, just so my one action, my one. Can, can cause a ripple effect of their actions in their lives and the people who interact with them. So I, that's a, such a corny cop out answer, but <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. But I just know that when, pe- when everyone gives the world becomes better, even if it might be in malicious intent, give, giving will still have an overall net positive on the world. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So it's a sort of philanthropic gesture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Next question for you. Uh, a lot of young people, I, I feel like they don't feel like they're worthy of anyone else's time. You know, it's like I'm, let's say I'm 16 and I'm, I really love this author's book or I admire this business that somebody has created, but who am I to send them a cold email? Uh, who am I to show up at some, you know, event and try to shake their hand? And so how did you overcome this challenge of, you know, feeling like you have enough self-worth that you, you are worthy of other people's time um, because I feel like that stops a lot of young people cold from even initiating contact. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at it from their perspective, um, the business owner or the entrepreneur or the author you want to get in touch with probably did the same thing when they were younger. They reached out to their mentors and, and role models and, um, their, and their role models replied back to them. So it, it's all a cycle where this next generation is reaching out to, you know, this past generation for advice. And and everyone wants to help each other, and it's just a beautiful um, cycle of life where everyone wants to help everyone. So don't don't just think that you know when you're 16 or 15 and you don't really have much going on that you're not worthy of someone's time. Um, you know you're young and you're ambitious and you want to learn, um, and people want to help. Though people want to help people like you uh, rise up to the top. I agree. And uh, before we started recording this conversation, you mentioned that you know there are so few 16 year olds who are doing this kind of stuff, who are reaching out to professionals in the business world or academics or you know, other people who are doing real work out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that gives you a special advantage if you're young. I feel like it gets a lot harder when you're more like a, a normal college graduate age. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are that 15-year-old who uh, just 
you know, sends that cold email to a professor and says like, oh my gosh, I watched this video about what you did. It was, you know, so inspiring. I'm going to be in your area next week. Is there any chance I could buy you a cup of coffee for 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like because that is so rare, you have more power um, oh. as a young person. Yeah, pl- play the student card, whatever you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just which to me sounds like play the card of like, I'm here to learn. You know, I'm not, which which comes back to what you were saying earlier about give and take. You know, I'm not here to come you know, try to steal something from you or, or get something free from you. You know, I'm here because you've inspired me and, and yeah, well, I guess that's still kind of taking, I don't, I don't know. I just shot myself in the foot there. Oh, you're good. You're good. (laughs) Um, Okay. So when you reach out to people, what do you end up asking for? Like, what's the request? What, uh, what have you done in the past? Uh, Kind of what have you turned these connections into that have, that's benefited you somehow? Yeah. So, for example, like uh, my friend Thomas Frank, he's the founder of collegeinfogeek.com, runs a very popular YouTube channel with like 300,000 subscribers and um, a, a podcast as well. And I, I kept in touch with him. I've been a fan of his work for like two, three years now. And I would regularly comment on his articles, regularly comment on his YouTube videos, send him emails about like how much his, his work has impacted my life. And um and you know, send him. I even sent him like a Merry Christmas email, or like I even introduced him to my other friend, my blogger friend, who would be a great fit for his podcast. And um, you know, always giving, giving, giving. It wasn't until like just like two weeks ago where he asked me to be on his podcast, his very popular podcast, to promote my new book because he fa- he saw that I was um, publishing it. And I, I never even asked him to do that, but he knew that I was a great guy and I was um, I was like ambitious and. Uh, consistent with my actions, so he wanted to help me out naturally, um, and that's one of the many different instances where when you just give, 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 people just want to um, just naturally help you out. Hmm. And what I'm hearing is a theme also of you initiating a lot of contact. You are sending emails, you are writing comments on social media posts, and you're not waiting for somebody to invite you to do that. You are you're doing that without asking permission, with the idea that it's you know, like you said earlier, it's some sort of net benefit in the world. <laughs> yeah, you, you always got to show support and just take the initiative. And a lot of these times, like, you know, they may not pay off in the first year or two, or, you know, it might not pay off in 10 years, but you, you never know like where, you know, this, this goodwill will come from. And so when you just get into this mindset of giving, 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 like good things will naturally come to you. And before we get too far down the, the like law of attraction type of, you know, realm here, um, it sounds like you are also pretty good at being uh, aware of what's going on in your field. And so it sounds like you're reading a lot of articles. You're, you're essentially like an information junkie in your field. And so you are, you kind of have the resources necessary to say like, Hey, have you seen this article? I think you would like it. Or, Hey, have you met this person who you, I think you two would connect well. Uh, is that true? Are you, are you an information junkie? <laughs> I am an information junkie. And, and I used to do that. Like, I had a system for that, but now it just comes so naturally. Like when I read an article about blockchain, I know to send it to my you know group of blockchain friends. If I read a book, if I read a really cool book about um, self-directed learning, I send it to all the people who are currently on that um, journey. Um, like I, I gifted um, your book as well as um, the, the Education of Millionaires and um, James Altucher's book, uh, Choose Yourself, to one of my good friends who's currently on this path. Um, and it just comes so natural once you do it so often. Hmm. 
cool. Let's shift gears and talk about internships because it's one thing to send emails to people and get a response. It's another thing to set up something as formal and long-term as an internship. And so maybe we should pick up your story where after your your first business failed, you then went into this mode of, of seeking internships. So uh, tell me about that. Yeah, I actually got my first internship before I started my first business um, at a company called Epri. Um, I my, my title was called Sourcing Intern, but I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I just uh, filed a lot of papers and um, entered a lot of data. But I, I got paid well, and I had my own cubicle and my own um, name name badge and everything. <laughs> a the, cubicle and a name badge. Yeah. On the outside, it seemed so awesome. But on the inside, I was, like, miserable. Like, this is not, like, what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so after going to that internship, I did a couple more in other fields and other um, sectors, you know, private sectors and startups and um, in. And ha- sorry, business. how were you getting these internships, Tam? Were you just applying through the normal channels? Yeah, so um, I actually got my first one through the front door uh, of my college um, career career board. Um, so that one was like the low hanging fruit where the university would, um, you know, make a post on our job board and we would find it through there. And I had a lot, I had no luck from like monster.com, careerbiddle.com, um, internships.com, like n- no luck at all because everyone was going through that front door. Um, and so what, what I wrote in my book about internships is that the best way to find internships is either through the side door, which is knowing uh, someone personally, or through the creative approach where you take a whole out of the box approach to finding an internship um, that we can definitely dive into. I would love to dive into that. Let's dive right now. Yeah, definitely. So, for, like the creative approach is like, for example, my friend Payman wanted a job at Indiegogo. He wanted to be the creative marketing director, but there was a few problems. One, there was no application for that position because it didn't exist. Two, Indiegogo wasn't even hiring at that time. And three, he knew nobody at Indiegogo. So, ooh, that sounds like an impossible situation. Yeah. So this is this is the creative approach is for you know, many of you listeners probably, and many other ambitious people who want something but need to be creative in their approach. So what he did was he created his own Indiegogo campaign, but instead of like having, uh, so for Indiegogo, it's like a crowdfunding campaign where you raise money to fund some kind of project. But in his case, he made a campaign for himself. And so he made the rewards like, oh, you got to hire me for X amount of you know years and you get these bonuses. And the description is about a summary of his like accomplishments and how the value he can bring to the table. The video was all about him. Um, showing him why he would be a great candidate and it, it was just the, the whole page was beautifully designed and um he tweeted this this link indiegogo link to the founders and emailed them to the marketing team and and whatever so um he got so much support from this campaign that he did for himself that after a week he got a call saying hey let's set up an interview and oh i love those kinds of stories i love it too and it's like whoa that's awesome because um, he didn't know anyone and he, the you know, position didn't even exist, but somehow he managed to get the attention of the, of the uh, marketing director there at Indiegogo. So that was really well done for him. So he created this Indiegogo campaign that was essentially an advertisement for himself mm-hmm. uh, on the platform that he wanted to work for. And then he reached out directly via, did you say Twitter, to, to yeah. the company. A lot um, of different touches, Twitter, email, uh, LinkedIn. Okay, so... Pretty savvy there. That reminds me of a couple of stories I stored in, uh, excuse me, stories I shared in Better Than College. Uh, 
One was about a young woman who used a Facebook ad to target yeah. some of the big New York City publishers and try to and, and get their attention. And then another who wanted to work for a few specific creative directors, and he used Google AdWords and took out ads for those creative directors' names and figured that they're probably narcissistic enough to Google their own names every <laughs> once in a while. And so the the first ad that would show up would be an ad for him saying like, hey, why don't you hire me? Uh, yeah, I'm totally sympathetic to this stuff. And, and so can you kind of generalize this creative approach to inter- internships? Can you, you know, that was a specific story, but um, can you break that down into more like general steps? Oh, yeah, definitely. So if you want to, if you have an idea of what you want to do at a specific company, then that makes the whole process much easier. So you can, um, for example, create something related to their product or their website um, all about yourself and what value you can bring to the table. Um, what, so, for example, for Indiegogo, he did it in the form of um, an Indiegogo campaign. Um, this woman named Nina, also mentioned in my book, she wanted a job at Airbnb. So she made a website just all about her and mirrored her design to look like Airbnb. And... Um, and it, it was amazing because it was beautifully designed. It had great content in there and it was like, hire me. Um, and, and she didn't get hired at Airbnb, but she got 12 different job offers once, um, her, her website blew up and got tweeted by like, uh, Queen Latifah and like a bunch of other publications. Oh, so get tweeted by Queen Latifah. That's your, your strategy. I love it. <laughs> um, well, essentially it's finding out it's, you know, it's just like basic marketing, like finding out, uh, who the company is what their main goals are and how you can best help them. And then communicating that message through a website or through a video or through whatever medium that's best for that specific uh, company. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, uh, again, we're taking this approach of not asking for permission. Nobody's emailing the company beforehand and saying, hey, I'd love to create a project for you that proves my worth (laughs) to you. So then maybe they'll hire me as an intern. Yeah, It's it's like uh, you're showing this deep sense of initiative and passion by just creating something that you think will be of interest or kind of prove your skills mm-hmm. to to somebody who has power in that company. Oh, yeah. Um, you just, you just got to do it. Like, for example, my other friend, Charlie Hone, he um, he wanted to work for uh, Ramit Sethi, a very popular blogger and New York Times bestselling author. Uh, and he noticed that he was – Ramit wanted to get more into speaking. And Charlie saw his videos online and noticed he didn't have a speaking reel. So he used his video skills to edit um, clips of Ramit already speaking and made it into a very attractive demo reel and say, Hey Remy, um, this is like something I made, um, for you because I back out in video. Hope you like it or something like that. And yeah. Remy was, was blown away. He was like, Whoa, this like random graduate, like made this for me. This is super well done. Like, who are you? And like, well, you know, what are you doing right now? Like, <laughs> do you want to work for me? <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like the, the principles are, uh, create a project that's going to benefit somebody or some organization and gift it to them with no expectation of getting back anything in return. And I, I imagine sometimes it's just radio silence. You don't ever hear back from from them. You know, they think like they, either they never get the message or they think this is some weirdo. You know, <laughs> go through the HR department, please. Uh, but sometimes you're going to get the attention and then you can sort of jump you can you can circumvent all these hoops that everyone else has to jump through yep. to get a position at a company or a nonprofit or to work with an individual who you admire. Definitely. It's all about creating your own opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love the 
the sentiment of that phrase, but it's it's just one of these abstractions that people bandy around. They say, "Yeah, you need to go create your own opportunities." And and I think again for a, a young person, you know, say that to an average fifteen year old, they're like, "Great, how do I do that?" So that's why I appreciate books like yours, Tam, where you actually like lay out these steps, and you have a lot lots of good stories and anecdotes. Oh. And you've been there yourself. You know, you're you did this at age nineteen after dropping out of school. Oh yeah, and I this is how I um, worked for the hustle. Um, this media company it's kind of like Business Insider uh, meets Vice dot com, uh, edgy like business news. And what I did was I volunteered for their their conference, um, HustleCon, um, in 2015, and I just stayed in touch with the organizers. And after staying in touch after six months or so, I messaged the founder saying, "Hey, uh, I'm looking to join a rocket ship startup company. Do you know of any that I should I, I should work for?" And then he immediately said, "Hey, come join us." <laughs> so the next week, I I joined, I signed the offer, joined the company, and I sli- I sleep on the founder's couch for the next three months, um, interning for for the company. Did you actually sleep on that founder's couch, like the couch couch? Yeah, I slept on the on his couch, so I was with him maybe like sixteen hours a day or so. Or something. <laughs> it was great. Okay, another unconventional strategy. <laughs> it, it was awesome because, like, you know, he's a. He's a founder that I wanted to learn more from and about his attitude and mentality. And I was like, wow, like if I can like be just surrounded with him with his habits and whatever, then I would instantly like rise up. Hmm. Uh, what I like about these approaches that you're describing, the creative approaches, is that uh, I know a lot of young self-directed learners, unschoolers, people go to democratic free schools who have been very good at teaching themselves skills online or through reading books. So for example, when you said somebody who was really good with videos and could put together a good reel, it's like, yeah, I know a lot of pretty creative you know, teenagers who have been able to teach themselves iMovie or other software because that's just something that I think you, you naturally get good at as a, a young self-directed learner is teaching yourself stuff, especially with the internet. It just makes it so easy to learn uh, any of those technical skills. But but the harder thing is to take those technical skills and then apply them to, as you said, creating your own opportunities mm-hmm. and reaching out to an actual person. You know, it, people are messy. Uh, the internet is clean, right? It's easy to interact with robots. It's hard to to send a personal email to somebody and, and make a request. Um, so you're you're really kind of connecting the the dots, I think, for for self directed learners who might be good at teaching themselves themselves things on their own, but then feel like they're, they're not really getting many cool opportunities in life because they're, um, they're kind of not sure how to reach out to people. Oh yeah. So, so you, you can have all the skills in the world, but if you don't know the right people, then it's kind of, uh, you, not, not useless, but like, um, not as beneficial to you, um, in your career or just in your personal life. Yeah. And I think that we like to have this idea, this conception of the the self-made man or the self-made woman who just goes and studies something intensively on their own and they become some sort of genius or or savant and uh and it's kind of offensive to think about that phrase it's not what you know it's who you know because then again we get back into that smarmy marketing uh networking feel of it's like <laughs> i'm just sort of like you know making the right connection so i don't actually have to work hard i can just use my connections to get to the top uh, but it, it sounds like the approach that you are recommending is the combination of of networking and having real skills oh totally like i had a friend who's a freshman well, not a friend but a reader who reached out to me who who wanted to work at google and he's a freshman in college and i was like okay why would google want you you might know, you know, if you know like, the top executives at Google, 
uh, that's cool. But if you have no skills or no knowledge of um, whatever field you want to go into, and it's kind of like uh, we can't do anything with you. Yeah. Okay, Tam, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, and then we'll wrap it up and we'll find out where we can uh, learn more about your stuff. Yeah. So currently, uh, I'm working at um, a company called Mixergy as a community manager, and I'm helping my friend Jared Kleinard launch his new book, Three Billion Under Thirty, which showcases um, all this, all these stories of uh, millennials uh, who are outliers in this generation doing really cool stuff. So YouTube celebrities, natural influencers, um, the co-founder of WordPress, co-founder of Elite Daily, uh, professional athletes, and and so much more. So I'm really excited for that that book launch, um, and I'm just really exploring. Like I'm so young and I have these skills, but I feel I still feel like um, I could be more fulfilled at other stuff, at doing other stuff. So I'm currently experimenting with um, stand-up comedy, um, playing a lot of poker, um, and reading just a ton of books that are not really in my field. Like I'm reading a book right now called A Thousand Naked Strangers about a paramedic who, or a guy who became a paramedic after seeing someone die in front of him. Uh, and this is story, whole story about becoming an EMT. Um, so a lot of experimenting for sure and always trying to learn. That's the number one goal. Yeah, it sounds like you are doing the, the college alternative path right, which is continuing to self-educate, continue to expand and expose yourself to new fields of knowledge that you might not have known about before. Um, so anyways, I'm super <laughs> glad we have you on the podcast. And uh, if people want to find out more about your articles or your books or you, where can they go? Yeah, they can go to tamfam.co C-O, or find me on Twitter at Mr. Tamfam, M-R Tamfam. Awesome. Tam, this was a real pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Blake. You're the best. If you enjoyed this ad-free podcast, there are many ways you can support it. You can write a review on iTunes. You can share it on social media. You can email it to someone who might benefit from it. Or you can support it directly with a per-episode donation at offtraillearning.com slash support.